ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 302nd ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from the past week. Also, we'll be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, who can talk about what it was like to be in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium last Monday night for the college football playoff national championship. So can't wait to hear that from A.P. But in the meantime, we have a fabulous weekend of... NFL playoffs to talk about, the Divisional Weekend, and what a weekend it was. I had the pleasure of attending the Patriots-Titans game in nearby Foxborough on Saturday night, Uh, and as great as that was, uh, nothing can be greater than what we saw last evening in Minneapolis. the Minneapolis Miracle, as it's now being called, which obviously was the Vikings, Stefan Diggs, just making a catch for the ages, uh, an immaculate reception level play that will live forever, once in a generation. You can use any phrase, you can use any adjective. It was as amazing an ending to a football game, particularly a postseason game as you will ever see uh, since the Immaculate Reception. And the reason is simply that the the game was over, Uh, totally over. The Saints were headed to Philadelphia for the NFC Championship game. It just seemed impossible. Luckily, I was watching it live. Uh, Never turn off a game, especially a playoff game, that's for sure. And uh, again, it just seemed impossible, the play which we've now all seen dozens of times, and we'll see many hundreds of times more, uh, was just one of those remarkable, uh, everything had to go right. Great pass by Case Keenum, got to hand it to him, when they got took the field with 25 seconds to go after the Saints go-ahead field goal, which by any, any measure looked like it put the game away. Uh, you know, they come out, uh, They hadn't given up. It was just obvious by the first couple plays. But on the Stephon Diggs play, one of the craziest looking plays you ever see because it was all about them trying to complete a pass, get in bounds, and go for a field goal. Or get out of bounds, excuse me. Where Marcus Williams, the safety for the Saints, uh, as soon as Stephon Diggs caught the ball near the sideline, he didn't want to interfere, as we heard time and again from coaches and teammates. 
So he just sort of rolled, as it turned out, under him, never touched Stefan Diggs, let alone make a tackle or push him out of bounds, which was clearly, it appears, on his mind. That certainly would have been the strategy. Don't interfere. Get him out of bounds or and or make the tackle. Uh, he did none of the three. And just as importantly, uh, by accident, certainly not by intent, uh, he rolled right into the only other saint in the area, knocking him down and taking him right out of the play. So Stefan Diggs catches the ball, turns around, and to his credit, uh, he's trained to just step out of bounds and set up with the potential game-winning field goal there. Very makeable, by the way, given where he got the ball. But instead, without hesitation whatsoever, he just turned, saw nobody between him and the goal line, and off he went. And it was just over in a, in a heartbeat. He covered the, the 40, 50 yards or so and was just in the end zone before you could even uh, let it register in your brain what had just happened. And from there on, it was just one of the great postgame celebrations uh, of all time, no question. Where he stood in the end zone, threw his helmet off, and then just got enveloped by his teammates who basically took him the whole way back into the tunnel behind the end zone. And then some of the post-game interviews were just truly off the charts. Uh, ESPN had some great ones, including with Diggs, who broke down crying. Uh, the radio replays we heard, you know, last evening and later on ESPN Sports Center all day today, both the Saints as well as the Vikings, uh, priceless stuff. Uh, those will live forever as well. Some other really cool things that you don't get to see too often were uh, people watching it at the Timberwolves game, the Minnesota people uh, just going crazy when they witnessed it on the TV at the arena. The Minnesota Wild fans watched it and reacted uh, at their arena in St. Paul. So just really, really uh, tremendous stuff, uh, to say the least. It's just kind of—it's why we love sports. It's the kind of thing that, uh, again, from my estimation, you see once a generation or less. So what a way to end what was just a spectacular spectacular nfl playoffs weekend my bizarre news item of the week uh not that the highlight of the week stefan Diggs' catch the minneapolis miracle uh, that, that could have easily doubled as the bizarre item of the week too because it was so bizarre and so unusual but my bizarre item of the week was the falcons Final play in Philadelphia on Saturday evening. I'm sitting there with a lot of people right outside in a hotel right beside Gillette Stadium. Everybody glued to the Eagles game, coming down to a fourth and goal. It doesn't get any better than that, the side of the Vikings game. And uh, and it was just so obvious to me what they were going to do. Uh, I, I said... Uh, I said out loud that, you know, Matt Ryan was absolutely just going to throw it up to Julio Jones. And for him to roll right 
it just seemed thereby cutting off half the field. Uh, it was just such an obvious call. Reading the follow-up, uh, the Eagles' defense seemed to know what he was doing, uh, screaming uh, as the play was, as he was taking the snap, that uh, it was going to Julio on the right side. Again, I didn't predict the right side. I just said they would absolutely just throw it up to Julio in the end zone. Who, by the way, uh, certainly could have, probably should have had that ball. Uh, he fell down on the play. To his credit, got back up. And at the moment of truth, the ball was there, and he elevated above the defender. And it just went right through his hands. Whether he would have or would not have come down in bounds with both feet, that's another question. It was very, very close as to whether that would have happened. But we never got there because it just went through his hands. Um, so that was, again, you can't ask for anything more than that, down to the final play, fourth and goal. Uh, so that was really, really uh, fascinating to watch. And then after that, immediately left and was off to the Patriots game. It was another really, really cold night. Uh, re- many reminders of 12 years ago at the previous Titans-Patriots playoff game when it was five below, uh, straight temperature with a 25 below wind chill. This wasn't that bad. It was about 18 degrees, but uh, a hint of a wind and just enough to make it feel really frigid out there. But it was a Saturday night playoff game, Saturday night special as we call it up here, and a special night. And to me, the take-home was truly the return of Chris Hogan and James White to the Patriot offense. Uh, As good as the Patriots have been, they're now headed to their seventh, repeat, record seventh consecutive AFC championship game. That simply boggles the mind, uh, many of which I've had the good fortune to attend. But return of Chris Hogan and James White on Saturday night to that already potent offense, teaming up with Gronk, uh, and, and the rest is, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks. Uh, Danny Amendola came up big again in another playoff game, as he seems to always do now. Uh, now they really, really look formidable. So um, that is going to be... Uh, setting them up again for what should be a fascinating playoff game against the Jacksonville Jaguars and that stout defense that they have. Uh, Obviously, the Jags shocked. uh, Shocked the world by going into Pittsburgh for a second time and beating the Steelers not many people gave them a chance whatsoever, uh, and that leads to my low light of the week, which was the Steelers ending it with that onside kick, which was both, in my mind, a poor decision and, more importantly, poor execution. Uh, the game pretty much ended right there. It all happened with 2.18 left on the clock. Steelers have two timeouts, two-minute warning ahead. The right of the announcers were saying... Uh, before they made a decision that they should just kick it away. Three and out, and Steelers going to get the ball back with just slightly under two minutes left, theoretically. And instead of that, 
they choose to onside kick it. Hits the Steeler guy four or five yards away from the kick, well in advance of the 10 yards it needed to go. And that was it. They got their three and out, but they were, the Jaguars were so close, they kicked a field goal to put the game away to make it a two-score game. But um, along with that was, you know, just throughout the week and really dating back to practically Thanksgiving when Mike, Coach Mike Tomlin first introduced us into the conversation, the Steelers playing the Patriots. It's the game we all wanted. No one more than me. I grew up in Pittsburgh, and I lived 15 minutes from Foxborough, so I was really excited at the prospect of the Steelers coming in here again for the AFC Championship game. But then you had, uh, you know, Mike Mitchell saying uh, they wanted to play the Steelers again, whether it was Haiti, Hell, or Foxborough, and that they would beat them. And then apparently heard reports just today that Mike Mitchell was uh, outside the Jags locker room talking some trash. Had Le'Veon Bell tweeting about a second, you know, rematch, uh, tweeting at like 1130 on Saturday night with the one o'clock kickoff yesterday. Uh, so bottom line, you add it all up. Uh the Steelers looked past and, in fact, disrespected the Jags, who beat them in October with five picks against Ben Roethlisberger. Beat them pretty good, and then they came in and did it again yesterday, ran to a 21 nothing lead, stunning. And they talked openly about how disrespected they felt, as did the Eagles, by the way. So the disrespect thing is real. You can't blame the Falcons for disrespecting the Eagles, but Vegas and everyone else was picking uh, the Falcons to go into Philly, beat the number one seed. First time the number one seed had been an underdog since 1970. So it was uh, it all added up to the Steelers' season ending early. Everybody shocked, and here come the Jaguars and Tom Coughlin, most notably into New England. Uh, but the Patriots are home hosting. Another AFC championship game, so uh, game has potential. It's going to be interesting to see. There's a lot of talk about Jalen Ramsey guarding Gronk one-on-one, see how that all unfolds. Uh, Of course, Coughlin beat the Patriots twice in uh, the Super Bowl, so there's already concern. Many New England fans openly are saying today they would have preferred to play Pittsburgh since the Patriots have owned Pittsburgh in recent years. So, great weekend. Should be a great championship Sunday. And speaking of the NFL, I've been writing for NFL Player Engagement a couple stories recently on the Walter Payton Man of the Year candidates. Wrote a story last week on the Tampa Bay Bucks, Clinton McDonald being nominated as the Bucks Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate. Uh, prior to that, wrote a story, interviewed. Patriots Nate Solder and uh, on his being the Patriots Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate both available among other stories I've written at www.nflplayerengagement.com so now let's take our break next up will be our weekly call-in expert A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine uh, and he can discuss the what it was like to be in Atlanta last Monday night for the epic college football playoff national championship game. And can't wait to hear from AP. 
which will be after this break, so don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, John. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, good to hear, and I was certainly thinking of you last Monday night. Before that, I should say, you know, it was funny watching that Minneapolis miracle last evening. I thought (laughs) that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. But then I quickly thought that you and many other Alabama fans would probably dispute that since (laughs) since (laughs) only six days ago, you saw something just about as amazing with uh, and I'm going to make it easy on myself and just call him Tua. With Nick Saban <laughs> yes. taking Tua off the bench, and what <laughs> unfolded throughout the second half, but of course at the end with that fantastic pass in overtime, that was just some of the greatest, one of the greatest plays I've ever seen, and of course decisions. How was it to be there? Yeah, John, it was quite amazing. Uh, it was one for the ages. I don't. Yep. I think I can recall anything of that magnitude where they brought in a player off the bench cold as a mackerel. He hadn't played any significant minutes during the season. He didn't play in the Auburn game, which I, I thought he should have. He didn't play in the Clemson game. I thought he should have been in there. He didn't play in the Mississippi State game. But they brought him in. They said, you know, son, uh, we hadn't played any significant minutes. Uh, can you try to help us win the championship? And, oh, by the way, you're down 13, and you only have 30 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Well said. That's a way to sum it up perfectly. Well, right off the bat, AP, thank you because, you know, you have talked about Tua since he was recruited. So for, you know, 
eight, nine months, he's been on our radar even longer. I think you talked about him as being, you know, considered for Alabama going back into his high school days. So, uh, so yeah, when he came in the game, you know, thanks to you, I, and, and all of our listeners, you know, had a clue. You, you, as I texted you immediately following, uh, you know, you had referred to him on a number of occasions, the quarterback from Hawaii. And, uh, boy, you nailed it because every time you did reference him, you spoke of him in very positive terms. So with that knowledge, when he walked in the game, you know, I, I, I had a sense he might do well. And, boy, he certainly did. Yeah, John, I mean, the first half, Alabama had 21 yards passing. You know, you have a million-dollar coordinator. I think you and I could come up with 21 yards passing in the first half. That's so true, they had yeah. To make a move. Yeah, they had to make a move, and I think that was his only reasonable option. And I, I think that, uh, like I say, he should have done it maybe two or three games before, but came down to the last game, he inserted him, and he hit the jackpot. He had, he had the ace in his, in his back pocket. All the time. He sure did. He, a trump card, to say the least. Uh, What's well, fascinating to me, AP, because what you're saying is, you know, and 99% of the nation watching the game would never have thought I, uh, that, you know, there were earlier games when maybe it was really on the table. I mean, there was some chatter, you know, very yeah. minimal that, you know, Maybe they'll replace the quarterback, but, you know, not a lot of people were really thinking that as a strong possibility. But what you're telling me is there were, you know, two or three other games that maybe that could have happened. So so if I'm hearing you correctly, it was a bit of a topic among Alabama, you know, experts like yourself. Yeah, absolutely, because Jalen, with him at quarterback, Alabama could beat almost every team on the schedule. They could they could win the game because he has uh, he's able to run the ball and he throws just well enough to complete a few passes. But you play these elite teams where they can shut you down uh, running the football, and then you have to attack with the pass, and you have to be precise, you have to be accurate, you have to be able to see the whole field, and that's something that Tua provided for Alabama, where Jalen he he's really limited in his vision to pick out the receivers. Uh, it was really a miscommunication, I think, with the offensive coordinator. He was trying to get him to run an offense that, that uh, made him go through all the progressions, and that's just not Jalen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. Uh, Brian Dable, formerly of the Patriots, of course, came from the Patriots this past year to be the offensive coordinator out of Alabama this year. And, you know, they had another great year. There's no no question, as always. And uh, yeah. But Brian Dable has moved on, correct? Already. Correct. Correct. I mean, we didn't even get through a week, and he's gone to Buffalo. I mean, he's, you know, he's Canadian-born, went to the University of Rochester, so he's familiar with the cold weather, and he went up to Buffalo. He's gone now. Yep. You notified, uh, you know, me of that news. And, uh, and yeah, uh, well, he certainly knows the AFC East, too, put it that way. But, uh that said, yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, I'm guessing that was a surprise. Uh, it was to me, at least, you know, after one year and just winning a national right. championship. Uh, I was caught off guard, but, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that uh, 
I don't know. I, I kind of had an inkling that maybe it'd be a one-year situation because um, I don't know if it looked like a good fit with, with Jalen and everything. I, I didn't feel it was the best. And uh, so I, I wasn't totally surprised. I was not totally surprised. But I, was, I guess I was surprised how quickly. Great. There you go. L- literally, what, five days, six days tops? <laughs> um, but no, now we got to get to really, you know, the, the big topic, which is simply Nick Saban making the decision. You know, not many coaches can make that decision. The, the obvious one and the connection is obviously Bill Belichick, who can make that same type of a decision he has. Not the same one, but similar yeah. decisions where he could have been severely criticized and has been, you know, I think fourth and five in Indianapolis a few years back, along with some others. But, you know. There may be, you know, there the, you know, of course, Saban and Belichick worked together at the Browns in '99. So they're probably the only two coaches in the country that can really make that call and survive any fallout, no matter what that fallout is. Because to do it at halftime of the national championship game, I mean, I was stunned, you know, and uh, I think 98% of the nation people watching that game were stunned, uh, no matter what anybody says. Uh, and I even had the knowledge from you that, you know, they had a pretty good quarterback from Hawaii sitting back there. And, uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was probably, shocked. Yeah, yeah, probably so, John. I'm, I'm sure the rest of the nation was, I can't believe they're bringing in this quarterback. Uh, I've never seen him play in any, in any uh, you know, significant moments, any critical times for Alabama. Right. And the championship's on the line. What, what is he going to do? What can he do? They, they can't even throw the football. What's, what is he going to do? And then the first series, you know, I think was three and out. And yep. in that second series, I believe, it was third down. He was going to be tackled. Tackled. He made that tremendous play, and he ran to the right, and then he eluded a few tacklers. You know, sh- you know, shrugged them off, and then ran to the left for a first down. And then next thing you know, he completes the pass. Boom, boom, boom. I think it was four or five uh, passes completed, and he had a touchdown to Henry Ruggs the third, another freshman. And John, I mean, salute to all those freshmen. They just put him in there one after another. The three freshman receivers have been playing all year, and then Najee Harris, which. I believe, uh, you know, he, he's the best Alabama back. I mean, Damian right. Harris is a good football player, good college football player, productive, but Najee Harris, he, he's the uh, uh, most talented, I believe. So he comes in the fourth quarter, leading rusher, I think 64 yards on six carries. Then he brings in the left tackle because Jonah Williams, who was an All-American freshman at right tackle, moved to left tackle this year, got injured early in the second half. Alex Weatherwood, who's coached by Charlie Ward in Pensacola, Booker T. Washington, Bringing Alex, he plays left tackle the whole second half, and so Alabama has all these freshmen in there competing right in the championship game. I mean, six of them at least on offense. It was amazing. I thought it was the story of the game. Uh, you know, next to simply you know Saban making the decision, and of course you know to actually executing on that final play. But that aside, and then that was heavily talked about by the announcers at the time. And I believe Georgia had a few freshmen there in key positions as well. Obviously, their quarterback, Jake Fromm, throughout the game. Yes, yes. So it was just, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no I'm sorry, John. I was going to say that Jake, Jake was the person I feared the most. I know they had three tremendous running backs, but I thought that that was the strength of Alabama's defense the, against the run, and they slowed them down. Uh, uh, Sony had 98 yards, but the other two had 40 between them, which was phenomenal to hold the 40 yards, Swift and Chubb. So, but but Jake was the person I feared the most, and I think we spoke about this. They were going to throw at Tony Brown. They did, 
and he intercepted him on one of the early passes, but then he got beat on an 80-yarder, and we, we thought that the Alabama's run defense would be adequate and forced the freshman quarterback to throw the ball, and he was very successful. But Alabama's offense would tour, came to life and made it a game. The kicking game was up and down for Alabama like it was all season, and uh, it was amazing that it almost, uh, they almost lost the championship because of the kicking game. Oh, absolutely. Uh, could have won, yeah, won it with that 36-yarder, you know, but they he missed it, and they were fortunate enough to go to overtime and, and two on that second down after he held the ball too long, got sacked for about 16 yards. Uh, they were in dire straits. They call that play called Seattle, where I think four people go down the field, straight down the field, and uh, Devontae Smith, a freshman, was wide open and two of him in stride. He was wide open. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Again, number one, the Alabama kicker missing at the end, you know, cast a gigantic shadow over the overtime in general, especially, you know, when Alabama got the ball and Georgia had scored a field, had scored a field goal on a very long kick, by the way. So, you know, that was one thing. And, uh, yeah, and then the the sack, uh, I mean, at that moment, it, yeah, a lot of people thought, you know, given – not a whole lot of belief that the Alabama kicker was going to be able to kick some long field goal give after the 16-yard loss, uh, which made the play just all that more dynamic. But uh, we still have a lot more to get to, AP, we, we, on this particular game. We've only scratched the surface. But why don't we take our break now, and we'll get to some more of that fabulous national championship game on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. Voice America.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit voiceamerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. Voiceamerica.tv. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. 
That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we were talking about you covering and being there for the massive Alabama victory over Georgia to win the national championship last Monday night in Atlanta. And uh, again, just a, a game for the ages. And uh, I got to ask you, A.P., what's it been like? Since then, what's the past week been like? You live in Alabama. I, I imagine the, <laughs> the Crimson Tide State is just uh, beside itself with joy. Yeah, they're, they're overwhelmed, I think, by that performance that Tua came off the bench. I mean, it's legendary. I mean, a guy from Hawaii, left-handed, uh, to come in as a freshman right out of high school and to make those types of throws. And, I mean, this is the fourth down play for a touchdown, John. Okay, there's uh, that tremendous, uh, uh, you know, breakaway run he made when he, he was going to be tackled by three people and he, uh, on that second series. I mean, and, of course, the, the, the winning touchdown in overtime. So I, I don't know if, if I've ever seen in 30 minutes of football a player at, at Alabama make so many crucial plays. Or anywhere else. I mean, you know, you talk about introducing yourself to the nation. It's just stunning. It's downright like, uh, you know, when Frank Reich led the Bills back for the largest playoff comeback in NFL history. Uh, But, you know, Tua is just now a household name, so to speak. Uh, Just instant recognition in an instant classic. Uh, And by the way, you know, I, I don't want to let this pass. Number one, I was just so impressed in the aftermath with both Tua, the way he was hugging his father and and mother, uh, you know, after the game, the way he talked with the media in that crazy atmosphere. And just as importantly, Jalen Hurts, you know, you know, being his cheerleader on the sideline, but then the class he showed in his post-game interview as, you know, for a sophomore, you know, whatever, 18, 19, you know, 19, 20 year old, uh, as good, uh, you know, and sincere an interview from a, a class individual, class athlete that I, that I or many other people have ever seen. It was remarkable. Yeah. In this day and age, John, it's rare, I think, for uh, an athlete to be selfless like Jalen. I mean, he, one year right. ago, he was in the middle of the leading Alabama to the hopefully winning touchdown when he ran about 35 yards and there was two minutes left in the game. He came one second from hoisting that trophy himself. But to exactly. be cheering on Tua and uh, be so gracious with uh, giving up his, his position, uh, I thought it was uh, one of the finer moments in sports. I agree 100%. Both of them uh, just, you know, really, uh, you know, showed themselves to be uh, top flight human beings and uh, it was just great to see and, and teammates and sportsmanship and just all, all, all those things uh, 
you know, all rolled into one. But again, you know, I just can't help but come back to the, you know, the thought that what freshmen are doing, that this may be the game that we're all going to look back on years from now and, and starting this year, uh, saying, you know, that was the game when freshmen playing and making gigantic impacts, no matter what the situation, the, 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 that's what started it. Because this was just off the charts. You just named six freshmen who had massive impacts alone on the Alabama offense. Uh, and, you know, Georgia had their contributions as well from freshmen. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think whatever thoughts anybody ever had about can freshmen, you know, uh, perform under the biggest stage as true freshmen, uh, that's been answered. And it's a, it's a different world. The, the way they're trained uh, in every area from media training i.e. those post-game interviews we just mentioned, to performance on the field. It's a new world. You know, social media, everything is just contributing to it. Great coaching at a young age, seven-on-seven seven leagues, all of it uh, has just now brought us to a point where freshmen, uh, you know, can just make a big impact, and lots of them. Yeah, John, I think Alabama last year, they had either 15 or 16 show up on campus in January, which is a remarkable number. Wow, uh, that is. So, so they, yeah, so they went through spring training. I mean, Jerry Judy, I think, I recall, was the MVP of the A-Day game. He's the freshman wide receiver from South Florida. And then okay. uh, Henry, yeah, Henry Ruggs III, I think at one point he had five or six catches all for touchdowns. He was five for five through the year, you know, at one point. And, uh... So, you know, and then Najee, I mean, they brought in Najee in the fourth quarter. He hadn't even played. And then here's Tua. He plays just 30 minutes and he's the MVP. Just played the second half he's the MVP. Yeah, and Najee, I mean, you know, of all the freshmen that you mentioned, the one that you had mentioned often in the past and that I definitely knew his name was Najee Harris for sure. Um, best running back in the nation last year, high school. And, you, you know, so, and we've seen him in some games this year. So his name we were, I and many others were already pretty familiar with. But uh, but you're right. They didn't play him until the fourth quarter. And uh, so that, that, that was just amazing. Uh, and, yeah, you know, and, and this is, again, back to Nick Saban. Both Nick Saban and Belichick both perceived as, quote, old school coaches. These guys are the first, the trendsetters in making decisions like this. So they're, they're the, in my mind, they're both the opposite of old school. They're, they're actually out in front of, you know, they're trendsetters. You know, right. Saban, not only the decision to play Tua, but, you know, having no issue whatsoever, having six freshmen on offense in the national championship game at the end. You know, Belichick has done many, many, many things along those lines as well over the years. Uh you know, well, I will say this: my respect for Nick Saban has grown, just grew exponentially in that game, both for the decisions, the way he handled it afterwards, to see his sheer joy. Yeah, I mean, the, the, this is it. This is the this, this is his career moment. That's saying something for him. Yeah, you don't see him that excited. <clears throat> you don't see him jumping up and down that much. But he no. sure was happy, and he, he and he expressed those. Uh, 
uh, you know, those feelings that afterwards. Right, and he and he did really, really uh, articulately, very well. You know, uh, I, I mean, this is what we. This is what makes sports sports. Uh, you know. The, the emotion from Nick Saban, you know, you contrast that or combine it with the emotion we saw last evening when Stefan Diggs pulled off the impossible. Uh, you know, it, just great stuff in, in the immediate aftermath of these remarkable, remarkable plays. Uh, I'm looking at Stefan Diggs being interviewed right now post game and. He's literally breaking down into tears. You may or may not have seen that AP, but, um, but yeah, I did. I sure did. Yeah, yeah, I sure, I sure did. And John, uh, his brother is Trevon Diggs, plays for Alabama, number seven. Really, I hadn't made that connection. Oh my! Yeah, that's what we love about you, AP. You, you bring us these connections that we can't get anywhere else. That's <laughs> fabulous. I had no idea. Yeah, that's his brother. He's, he's a little bit. bit you could. Stefan is funny because I actually met him when he was in high school. He was really? at the Heisman. Uh, high, yeah, he was at the Heisman um, dinner on a Monday night, and he was. They had the. Uh, I think it was the Army All Star game. They had that that, that type of uniform on the, the jersey. So sure. I met him that night, and then he was about six foot. And I saw him play. Actually, he was at Maryland. I saw him play in person. Oh, okay. Yep. Game. University of Maryland. Yeah. That's him for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he played uh, against the University of Connecticut. I was at that. Game. I saw him play, a very good player. And then Trevon, he's really talented. I'm, he hasn't really found his spot at Alabama. He's a kick returner right now, playing some defensive back, wide receiver. But I think he's going he's gonna to do some, some good things next year. He's really talented. And he's bigger than what? Stephon. He, yeah. Bigger than Stephon? He's bigger. He's about 6'2", I think, yeah. Wow, because uh, yeah, that's a great story. I mean, you know, the story in my mind being, and I, and I haven't heard that from anybody, uh, until you just mentioned it, but you know, I, I, what a what a week for the Diggs family, right? Oh my goodness! Oh no, my that's goodness! That's the story. Yeah, that's fabulous uh, that for that family because I know Stefan was good. He was uh, really good. He he went. He, he was going to go to either Maryland or Auburn, I think, and then he went to Maryland. Of course, you know, he's from that area, and then uh, his brother right. came to Alabama. So, and like I said, his brother's very talented. Uh, did he play in the game last football. Monday night, the brother? He he, he, uh, he did, yeah. He sure did. He, he returned some uh, punts and things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't make the connection, but I certainly recognize the name, so, boy. Yeah, number seven, yeah. Right, well, Punts I'd say the Diggs off. family. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The Diggs, he, he no good. family had a week he's like good. them, right? I don't think so. I can't. Yeah, I don't think so either. Oh, 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 oh you know, oh, the only, only other one, John. I'll, I'll bring this up, and you could, uh, this is for our audience here. Calvin Ridley's brother is Riley Ridley. Oh, and, yes. And played for Georgia. I think his real right. name is Calvin, but he ch- changed it or something to Riley because it's too close to Calvin. So Calvin right. Ridley. But uh, he had a fabulous game uh, for, uh, for Georgia. Six receptions, 82 yards. He was, he was great. That was a big storyline by the announcers, uh, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet. Because, you know, bottom line for the, maybe, you know, highly unusual that he had a much better first half put it mildly than his brother Calvin the best receiver in the country so they were talking about that a lot I think it evened out over as the game went on of course but yes he had a his game of his life in the first half alone practically yeah he only caught I think eight maybe seven or eight passes during the season he caught six right. that night 
Exactly. Exactly right. And, uh, yeah, I interviewed him before the game, you know, on that Saturday with that media day, a real nice young guy, and he said uh, he was much funnier than his brother Calvin did. That, I'm funnier than Calvin. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's great. And, yeah, and he, yeah, and he's bigger, too. And he, he's, I think he's about 6'2", or Calvin's about six foot or so. Okay. Wow. Yeah. The, I, I always love these connections. I know you do, too. I always think that they're really... Uh, you know, one of the, the the fun hidden part of sports. Uh, well, AP, hard to believe we're at the end of our last break here, and uh, so why don't we take that break now? Still have a few to, more things to get to on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, of course, NFL Championship Sunday. This Sunday with uh, the Patriots hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars, hard to believe just saying that. I will be there at nearby Foxborough and followed by the uh, backup quarterback bowl. Uh, Nick Foles in the Eagles hosting the uh, Minnesota Vikings and Case Keenum. So should be a good one, AP. You never know, right, how it's going to turn out. That's what's great about sports. Yeah, no, no, it's, that's unbelievable. That's why they play the game, unscripted drama. It's, it's the beauty of sports. It really is. And again, uh, no better example of that than what you witnessed again uh, last, this past Monday night, a mere one week ago, uh, down in uh, Atlanta with Tua coming off the bench to uh, win the game in the national championship for Alabama. It's still. Still, just kind of hard to believe, uh, you know. A week later, yeah, John. I mean, it's incredible. Like I said, I, I was trying to recall a moment as 
when somebody came off the bench to win such a significant game, I just really can't. Uh, I mean, this is for all the marbles. I mean, this wasn't a playoff game. It wasn't, uh, you know, uh, against a big rival or just it was just for the national championship. Like Correct. I said, you know, put them out, put them out there with 30 minutes left and said, all right, let's see what you can do, son. There's no second chances. There's no do-overs in that situation. It's no, 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 you no, know, no all the marbles John, on the table. Yeah, everything, all the chips in the center of the table, and all the marbles too. And John, just to tell the the audience, you know, before the Sugar Bowl, Jalen had the flu, and so Tua got quite a few reps in practice, and he just was on fire. So they knew that he was uh, preparing. And I spoke to Tua before the Sugar Bowl game, and and before the uh, championship game as well, and he was prepared. But he, his number was called. He, he was really ready. He was expecting it, I think. It seems that way. He certainly acted the part, no doubt about it. And, you know, there's always something that's kind of fun, you know, about a left-handed quarterback. Uh, yes. You know, that just there's, there's just something about the way they throw the ball that, you know, makes it a little more interesting to watch no different than the Patriots always like left-footed punters um but you know what, what I noticed on watching the game on last Monday night was rhythm uh, he he just seemed to once he got in his rhythm he was nearly unstoppable I mean he throws a beautiful ball and certainly no yeah, more beautiful no more beautiful than that final one that that, that was literally a, a perfect spiral a thing of beauty yeah, yeah, he. That's one thing about uh, Tua. He has rhythm when he throws the football. He's accurate. He's precise. Uh, I know when I spoke to Calvin about Tua, his eyes lit up, and he couldn't wait to tell me all about the quarterback from Hawaii, and and he had a confidence in him, even though he was a freshman. Okay, well, that's interesting to me. So what you're telling me then really is that when Saban made the decision to bring him in at halftime that there probably wasn't shock among the rest of the team, or more importantly, there wasn't concern. Before that game even started, throughout the season, they've already had a certain belief in Tua from what they've seen on uh, on a day-to-day basis all season long. Yes, yes. Calvin okay. Ridley, the lead receiver, he was really confident with, uh, that Tua can perform if his number was called. Well, that's gigantic. That kind of, you know, that, yeah. that's half the battle. That, you know, Tua yeah. didn't take the field, like, having to prove anything to his teammates. He just had to prove it, no. you know, to himself and to, you know, basically the rest of America. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> a couple hundred million, right. That's all. Just a couple hundred million people that happen to be tuning in. Um, <laughs> well, again, it, it's great stuff. Uh, so what did you think of the... Uh, overall of the NFL playoffs over the weekend. I mean, again, what a week. How lucky are we? You know, we go from wild card weekend with some great games, including that Tennessee-Kansas City game, just kick it all off. And then, you know, wild card weekend, national championship the the next night, you know, a few days pass and boom. Divisional weekend, which was just fabulous, punctuated by obviously Stefan Diggs' catch last night. I mean, that is a serious, serious eight days of good football. Yeah, well, uh, John, as soon as I saw the way uh, Bortles was in control from the opening drive, I said, Jackson, they might have a chance. And then when they put 45 on him, I, I was shocked. Oh, was me shocked. too. You know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I, I, I've already said on the show, I, I was 
I and many others were really, really waiting, anticipating what the potential game of the year that I think would, would have been the game of the year, you know, given the previous game they played a few weeks back. Of course, Steelers at Patriots. Uh, but, you know, what do you think it is with Blake Bortles, AP? Why are other players, you know, being so critical of him and so openly, like, saying, you know, just frankly nasty things about him? I don't, I don't get it. I mean, you know, I, 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 don't, I literally don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand either because I, I happened to watch that right from the beginning and I said, if this quarterback on the road could make some plays early, you can have all the confidence. And when they went down and scored right away, I right. said, well, Jacksonville, they got a chance. They have a chance. And then Leonard Fournette was on fire. That yep. seems to be the team that gets him motivated for whatever reason. Yeah, but what I don't understand about the criticism from Jadavian Clowney to many others is like uh, – why, you know, maybe he's not out there, you know, you know, bringing up big stats or whatever, but he's also not out there losing football games. They made the playoffs. Yeah. They won a playoff game 10-7 last weekend against the Bills. Yeah. It, it almost seems personal, and that's why maybe I'm, that's what I'm missing. Is, yeah. is there some underlying yeah. factor you and I are familiar with him from University of Central Florida? Had a great career yeah. there. Yeah. But. You know, th- this team has just be coming out of nowhere this year. I don't, I don't get it. Obviously, he's been criticized for his play down in Jacksonville, but it's about the other players saying mean things about him. I guess. Yeah, it does. On a, it does seem like it's on a personal level. I, I don't really understand, yeah. but uh, yeah. probably the people in Jacksonville know, I guess. But I, I'm not familiar with the situation. But yeah, it does seem personal. Well, he, he, one thing's for sure: he shut a lot of people up yesterday. He played well. You know, they rang up 45 points. What else can you say? <laughs> you know, yeah. and 75 against the Steelers in two games in Pittsburgh. Granted, the defense was fabulous, but, you know, he was, he was pretty fabulous himself. And, uh, and again, just to close it out here, uh, you and I remember when he was flat-out fabulous at Central Florida, leading them to the Fiesta Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl victory, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, I think so. Was that, was that against Baylor, maybe? Yeah, it was against a Power 5 team, that's for sure, obviously. Yeah, I think so, it was against Baylor. So, yeah, it's crazy, but that's, that's sports. But AP, hard to believe we're at the end of the show. Great talking uh, championship football with you. You know, we're, we're into the good stuff now here in January. So, uh, love your perspective from actually attending Alabama's national championship win last Monday night, and uh, and thank you for your contributions as always. Hey, John, it's my pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me on the show. All right, and thank you again. And now, uh, as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. We look forward to doing it all again every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.